However, buddy, uh, that car, come on. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you love cars uh, or just you just care, you want yours to run. But man, when you, when you sit in one of those, uh, I wanted it really badly, uh, but enjoyed it. Hey, uh, if you've been in or out this summer, I have. Just getting back from vacation. Some of you have been on vacation. Some of you have just been doing whatever you do. Here's what we've been doing. I think it's important for you to know this. Every location fellows at RCMU, East, West, online, everyone we've been looking at, at the book, what's called the book of Philippians. It's in the Bible, the New Testament. It's actually, it's a letter, a letter written to a group of people a long time ago dealing with a major theme, joy. I don't know if you think about much. Maybe you have more of the feelings or the emotions of it, joy, where you're like, you either have it or you don't. Days that you're like, man, I just feel good about this. And then other days where you're like, I'd like just to stay in bed because of what you know you're about to face. You and I, I think, have an issue with joy. And that's why if you've missed it, you ought to go back and get caught up. Because some of us say, I don't read the Bible because it's confusing. Well, what we're trying to do is go through the letter piece by piece so you and I can actually have joy. Here's what I would say. We don't have joy. It's not God's fault. Because it's not God's fault, let's figure out what, what role we have. Have you ever been given advice about something, in, in essence, joy? Have you ever had it where someone said it and you're like, okay, that sounds like good advice, but then later on it was weird that they gave you the advice. Let me give you an example uh, from the Bible, and I think this will make sense. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. You're like, of course. Pastor David better say that in church. Stay true to the Lord. Yeah, that's neat. Some of you might even have this posted somewhere in your life, tattooed, I don't know. But you're like, yeah, the Bible should say stay true to the Lord. You should think a little bit further about it. If someone has to write in the Bible, hey, everybody, you need to stay true to God. Eventually, you should get to the place going, do some people... Do some people not stay true to the Lord? Well, obvious answer is yeah. What I would argue is this. If you right now have a, it's called a deficit of joy. If right now, frankly, when you get up or when you walk through the day or when just you see news or you just live your life or you think about your relationships right now or your circumstances and no matter what's going on, you're like, David, of all the things I don't have, it would be joy. Joy would be one of the things I don't have. Here's what I would suggest. I just went to the end of what I want to teach on. He said, hey, stay true to the Lord. I would tell you if you currently aren't, if you're wrestling with staying true to God, then that could be, that could be one of the reasons that you and I don't have joy. So I want to go after this. So I've got to deal with a hot word. Hot word meaning it's common and it's part of your life. It's called unlimited. Uh, I'm just curious, raise of hands, does anyone have the unlimited cell phone plan? Uh, you could admit it in church, it's fine. Every, okay, some of, you, some of you are afraid to admit it. Good, some of you are happy. Okay, You went there, you went there, congratulations. You probably went there out of necessity, by the way because you got that one bill or two bills or you were tired of it and finally the cell phone company said we are now going to offer you unlimited so that you don't have to have fights amongst your family about who used too much data or phone stuff. If you want to know why there's unlimited plans it's not because the cell phone company was tired of charging you a lot of money okay no they were loving that part but what happened was you and I began to demand unlimited 
You and I began to shop around, talk about it a little bit. Whoa, what if they gave us unlimited plans and stuff? That would be awesome. Then, but even before that, TV was, hey, we had to watch like, shows with breaks in them, which was, I mean, stupid, right? You're like, why are we taking a pause after seven minutes? And then they eventually were like, we want unlimited, we want unlimited TV, no no breaks. We just, I want to watch all that I want to watch. When I want to watch, I want unlimited. And, and there's multiple companies now saying, you can have unlimited this, unlimited minutes. And then, and then we get to uh, rally time, and they change our speed limits on us. <laughs> For those of you who are in charge of that, I applaud the efforts that you're giving to your vocation. <laughs> but most of us, do not love speed limits. Some of you do, some of you do, yay for you. <laughs> but think about this for a moment. You and I don't like limitations, do we? For, for whatever arena of life that you're in, it could be speed limits, it could be your phone, it could be TV, movies, whatever, buffets, come on. I mean, you and I do, we, we, we want to go to a place where we pay maybe the least amount of money that we have to to get the most of whatever it is. You and I do not like limitations. We don't like them at all. And when I would tell you this hot word right now, because companies are paying attention, because you and I are demanding it, it goes to a dark place. If you and I, just imagine with me a world where you and I got what we wanted. <laughs> what, if, what if everything just became unlimited? What if all of a sudden, wh whether you had to pay more for it or get to it or whatever, that you could have the unlimited version of whatever you wanted? Can you imagine where we go? I can, I can give you a picture. I can give you a picture. It's in my home. It's annoying. So we have rules in our home. I've told you, if you've not been around, I've told them this story multiple times where, where we make sure our kids have limits on the media that they can use. The, a phone or an iPad or a TV, whatever. We don't just say, hey, we'll see you later. Hope you raise yourself well. Watch whatever you want, right? We don't, we don't do that. And so they have limits. And if you want to know like, how crazy we are, they have to write down the date, their name, the device they're using, when they started it, and when they ended it. And because they weren't doing it very well, I had to put an extra column that where they could add up their time because they were like, oh, I didn't realize it. We make our kids do this. For those of you who don't like it, it's fine. But it, but it works for us most of the time. When the school year ends and we go into the summer, Katie and I do not change the rule. Even though our kids think we change the rule. There's no conversation, kids gather up. It's summertime, rules are different. Nope, we don't have it. They just make it up in their minds. And so what happens is the first week that they're off from school, here's what happens in our home. Katie and I will go off and do our thing, go to work, whatever, we come home. And we've got enough older kids, the older one watches the younger ones. We come home, and they're different. They look and act like zombies. They're weird. They're, they're volatile. They're, like, not fun. I know I'm, but David, they're children. I, I get it. But we come home to what happened today. And they're like, you know, just whatever, whatever. And Katie and I don't catch on. Day two comes, Katie and I go, we come back. Same thing, but they're worse. They're more tired. 
Things are weird. They're responding to us in ways you're like, did you forget that I am your authority figure? I mean, how, how, what changed? And then it clicks usually on day two or day three where I will bring up, hey, can I see the media chart? That's what we call it. And they're like, yeah, why? Well, I want to see what you guys have been doing. Like, well, we, ha- we, haven't, we haven't been doing it. It's summertime, Dad. <laughs> and as we have the conversation. That's just one example. What we have learned in our family, and I urge you to consider that it applies to you and your family or just you as an individual. You and I are not great with unlimited whatever. What we've learned is this, here's the lesson. A life without limits burns us out. You may think you want it long term. I'm not hating on unlimited phone plans and stuff. I'm not saying those are bad. I'm trying to help us get to a deeper conversation. I'm telling you that you and I live in a culture, call it a, a current, that takes us to this place where you and I are beginning to think that whatever we can get unlimited, we go after. And it's ruining so many of our relationships. And I'm going to tell you, you and I are not built in such a way that can handle the strains and the pains and the issues that come with unlimited. Unlimited lifestyles, well, well, frankly, many of us have our own stories. Where unlimited ruined your marriage. Unlimited caused you, even as a kid, to do things you, you now regret. Unlimited caused you to, to go live a way that, that you, you took some losses from it. And even in the least, perhaps your unlimited lifestyle has led you to where you never stop and you're just flat out exhausted. And you're like, wait, life's supposed to be great right now. I have yet to have a stressful day where then I decide, you know what I need to do? I need to binge watch a show and then I'll binge watch a show and I get done with the show going, mm, feel good now. This, no. The unlimited parts that you and I chase after are not refueling our souls. They're not rejuvenating our bodies and our minds are not getting better and stronger because we're chasing after unlimited. In fact, here's what I've asked you. Here's what I'm seeing and I saw it in my own life, family's life. I've seen it in some of your lives here. Abandoned dreams and jaded thoughts. If you want to lead yourself to unlimited, you're going to get to exhausted and exhausted is going to take you to this wonderful place. Where the days that you used to dream about the future and what could happen and what you wanted to do with your life and what kind of a family you wanted to have, what kind of a job or school or this or that, you're going to abandon those because you're just too tired. You're exhausted. And some of us have gone to, I think, even the worst place, the jaded thoughts where you just like, not only have you given up on your dreams, you're now tearing down the dreams of others. Going, what's the point? Why would you do that? You can't. And we begin to live jaded. Think about, think about the last time you were just sitting in your house or talking to some people going, you know what? I just feel so much joy and energy right now. It's just great. Most of us can go, I remember one time, maybe two times. The problem with this is there's a guy who wrote a letter who was in prison facing his execution, who wrote, hey, you, you, you should have joy. <laughs> so our circumstances aren't our problem. I had a coach in my life, I was telling him about my problems. 
<laughs> and he did not respond very ooey-gooey, like, mm, I feel bad for you. I was asking him, hey, wh- at what, what point do you get to in life where it's easier? I mean, you can make fun of me now. Okay, I was a little younger. I was just like, at what point do you get to where it's like, yeah, yeah, I got this. He says, not sure yet. I'm like, that's not the answer I'm looking for. Here's how I think many of us, the reason you and I are living exhausted and, and jaded and we're abandoning our dreams and we're losing our joy and we're like, man, this life thing is not near as great as what it seems like in other people's lives and it's not at all what I wanted it to be. I think many of us think this is life, where this is the agenda. Let me, let me explain, because some of you are going to disagree with me, so let me explain it. I think many of us from early on thought that life looked this way, where the thing in life was this. It was one climb, one mountain. And we, we said what it was. We gave our, our mountaintop, our peak, our pinnacle. We were like, okay, here's what I want. And we thought, here's all, that, this, all we thought about what that life, life was. And, and it, we like, if we just get there, oh, it's just going to be great. Do you remember when you were in high school? And you're like, man, when I just graduate, I mean, the rest of life's simple. I've seen it. I've watched it. If you don't remember this, I'm telling you, most of us, at least as high school seniors, are like, once we graduate, I mean, what's left? I mean, it's pretty much easy. And then after, after that, many of us landed at, um, what now? Some of us were telling us to think about it before then. Now, some, some no, no, for you, it might have been, might have been college or, or getting into the military or, or some trade school or, or a certain job. You're like, yeah, once I get there, I'm good. And so your climb was that. That's what life was. Every day, every week, every month was to get to there. Then you got there. You landed on it. Everything is, you're, you're going, and you're like, now what? To make it more personal, some of us thought, once we get married, I'm good. So some of us thought it was kids. Once, once we have kids, it's just smooth sailing. You hear that for those of you? Who are you? <laughs> and then as I talk to people who have been retired as of late, who bought the American line, that if you just get to retirement, that's it. That, that's the great thing. But do, I, I've lost count on how many people who have retired who then not long after, I mean, they spend some time chilling, but then not long after, they're like, now what? And I just listed a bunch of mountaintops. Here's what I'm seeing. Uh, many of us are quitting somewhere in there. You got to the mountaintop, you got to what you're going after, what you worked so hard getting to, and it was the everything in your life, because you were taught, you climbed the mountain, you climbed the mountain, it's this one climb, and you got there, and you're like, okay, this is not it, so you just quit, and you stayed there. You stopped, you stopped, stopped moving forward. And you just now live exhausted because you've given up on your dreams, and now you live jaded because you're, you're at your mountaintop, or, or maybe you've come down that one mountain, and you're not climbing anymore. So here's the reality of life, whether you like it or not. Life is not a mountain, it's a marathon. Now, let me help you out here. 
There is nothing about a marathon that's appealing to me. Nothing. You couldn't pay me enough money. Well, no, you couldn't pay me enough money to do a marathon. But here's the problem. It doesn't matter. Because that's life. A marathon, marathon is a much better description, a much better thing. Here's what life is really like. It's a marathon, and, and there's rainy seasons and cold seasons and hot seasons and nice 70-degree seasons, and there's all these different seasons, and they wind through a lot of different places, and you get tired through the way, and then you have moments where you're like, oh, this is great, this is easy. Life's a marathon. And if you don't want to give up, if you don't want to end at some point of your life with absolutely no joy, Throw the mountain metaphor out. Throw it away. Because if you don't, at some point you're going to stop climbing. And you're not going to live the life that I think God intended for you and I. The guy who wrote this, interesting enough, he was writing while he was in prison facing his execution. I mean, I don't know what you would do facing your execution. I would make sure that if Twinkies were still made, that I would be having Twinkies. And, and I would have a lot of things that I, I frankly would be thinking a lot about myself. I don't know what you do facing execution. I'd be like, all right, diet no longer matters whatsoever. And really, other people don't matter anymore. It's just me. But no, no, that's not what he did. And, and if you're facing your execution, you have a tendency to think, you know, forgive me, but screw life. Joy is probably, joy is probably not one of the things you think people on death row right now are feeling. This writer characterizes the whole letter. It's all about joy. And he writes in such a way that if you have any craving for genuine joy, not fake stuff, not like, oh, I'm happy. Actually, I hate life, but I'm happy. No, real joy, no matter what your circumstances. If you want it, you'll pay attention to what this dude wrote about. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Now, what he just described, we've talked about it in the sermon series, but what he just described was basically this. I love God. I'm devoted to God. God's amazing. I'm all about God. I'm leaning into God. I'm following God. He's my number one. Whatever one you want to put it, he's like, he is great, and I am following him. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, though, or that I've already reached perfection. But press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Now, this throws some of us off. Basically, he's like, I'm not perfect, and you're like, uh, no one's perfect. I mean, we don't understand the word. When he was using the word, it had a very specific meaning in his culture. Let me give you the definition. It, for us, it would fit more with complete. He's, he's saying, I'm not complete yet. My life's not complete yet. Even though he's facing his execution and he's going to die, I, I'm not done yet. It means finished, accomplished all that I can. Let me give you a, just a bit of an uh, analogy or something. Uh, back then, if they would have made a table, the table would be perfect or complete, listen, when they had their first meal at it. Not when, like, the carpenter finished it and, and sanded it and, and stained it and was, like, Instagrammed it, and whatever, whatever. No, no. It was, it was perfect. It was complete when it got used 
the way it was intended for the first time. Meaning it was, it was complete, it was, it was perfect, it landed, it, it had done all that it had ever been designed to do. This table was that we would gather around and eat at it. And what Paul's saying, hey, <clears throat> I'm not there yet. <laughs> I've not reached all that I'm capable of, all that I'm supposed to do. I've not reached my full potential. That helps you and I going, okay, okay, he loves God, he's devoted to God, but he's not... He's not better than everybody else, and he's not done. He's got joy still. See, that's a, that's a bit of a, a byproduct of joy. Going, I'm going to keep going after this. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Now, I'm going to tell you the one thing, okay? I'm going to tell you, and we're going to have fun with it. <clears throat> but... Sometimes when you read the Bible, you read it way too fast. You're like, okay, focus, focus, on whatever. I'm going to focus on this. What, what is it? 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 Hold on. I have not achieved it, but I focus. Don't miss that. He's saying, I've got joy. I don't hate life. And he's got circumstances far worse than most of us. He's like, things are, I, I love God. He's taking care of me. Things are good. <laughs> But I focus on, I focus on. See, many of us right now partially due to the unlimited world that can grab your attention at any moment. Many of us are not focused. And Before I share with you what he talks about being what you and I ought to focus on, I think we should just give a moment to the fact of how focused even are you? Are you willing to even, if it's one thing, are you willing to focus? What are you focused on? Before I went on vacation, uh, I knew something was coming. It was a softball tournament. Typically, I'm excited about that. But then the heat comes, and I'm like, maybe I don't need to play softball anymore. Um, anyways, we got back. Softball tournament happened, and somehow we were not very good all year long. Somehow we won the first two games. We were all shocked. And we're like, what happened? But okay, well, uh, I guess we keep playing. We came back the next day and started playing more softball games. If you've ever been in a softball tournament, there's, there's one characteristic about all softball tournaments. You play till you basically drop. So the next day we came back, played one game, played another game. So then we got to our third game, five games within, it felt like one minute, but I think it was longer. But five, the fifth game, I'm up at the bat and I, I hit the ball. The third baseman got the ball. I'm running to first base. I don't have time to tell you how to play softball. Just hopefully you understand. I'm running to first base. The third baseman got it, which tells me something in our league. He may not make a good throw because that's our league. <laughs> so I know that I have a chance to be safe even though I hit it to an infielder. What you're supposed to do in baseball or softball is this. When you hit the ball... You're supposed to run through the base. Like, first base, you can run through it. You touch it, and you can just kind of turn off to the right, just run. That's all you focus on. If you're ever going to teach a kid how to play baseball, and when they get up to hit, hey, here's what you do. You hit the ball, run to first, and just, just, you just keep going. If you want to go all the way to the, the end of the fence, that's fine. Just keep going. Don't pay attention. Well, I broke that rule. I hit the ball. Ball goes to the third baseman. I'm running. I think he's going to throw a bad throw. I just, it's, again, it's our league. So I start to watch him as I'm running. He does throw a low throw, and I'm like, this is awesome. Now I've got my eyes on the first baseman seeing if he's going to make the catch. The problem was 
is first base showed up. And I didn't get a picture of it because I was involved with it. All I know is, within seconds, it appeared as though I was somewhat sliding into first base, which you never do that. Slid a little bit beyond first base. It was more of a falling because the base kind of got to me faster than I expected it to. And it was, well, some might say, well, did people laugh? No, because it looked so painful. The reaction most people said, ooh. <laughs> My teammates were like, are you okay? Which was a weird thing. going, you're not laughing. Oh, I'm 41. I get how this is, it's, life's different. None of that had to happen, just so you know. It's not complicated running to first base. Unless your focus is on the wrong thing. As a 41, I'll tell you, life is not near as complicated as we make it. Unless you're focused on the wrong thing. And then you're going to fall on yourself. So that's why we have to stop before I show you the one thing. You've got to know, focus isn't near as easy as you and I treat it. So as I'm about to show this to you, pay attention to are you even willing to focus? If you aren't, you need to get there first. Know to your brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Hmm. I press on to reach the end of the race. So he brings up the marathon, things like not a mountain. And receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I focus on one thing. Forgetting the past. Ooh. You live life long enough. Is that not one of the hardest, most difficult things to do in life? Is to move on from your past. That's why most six-year-olds are very optimistic about life. And then you become 16 and you're not near as optimistic. Then you become 25, 35, 45, 65, and you're like, hmm. Here's my observation. It's more Paul's, but holding on to what was is draining our joy. Many of us didn't realize, no, we thought, no, no, David's my boss or it's my spouse, or it's my kids, or my circumstances, my situation, my financial status. No, no, I think holding on to what was. And I need to help us here. Holding on to what was. There's two main ruts here. One of them is uh, what I'll call glory days. Let, let me help you, uh, let me help you understand the glory days. Uh, <clears throat> see if it still fits. Kind of. It's my letter jacket, my actual one. Um, yeah, I still have it. The problem is, uh, there are some people, <clears throat> don't know how to say this in a non-offensive way. Some of us are 40 and we're still wearing it. <laughs> now, there's no, there's no problem with being nostalgic. I have my letter jacket, okay? I have it. Yes, I still have it. But I don't wear it. Would you like to hear, let me, I bet you want to hear a bunch of uh, stories from high school. So, uh, no, actually, you don't. You have no interest in my high school sports stories of different conference games we played and won and this or that. You just don't. 
They're my glory days. For me, high school, it was pretty good. Got some, got some medals and stuff. I've lost some of them, just so you know. I got a bunch more, just in case you're wondering. <clears throat> some of us aren't, aren't joyful anymore because we haven't taken this off. Meaning you had, you had a moment in your life where, well, it got tight on you. And it kind of looked like this, and you're like, but, but life was good, right? But all it was is life was good. You have friends like this at least, don't you? Life was good. I used to. They used to. I used to live here. Used to have. It's this. And most of us grow out of these things, <laughs> but a lot of us haven't. And what's funny, if you don't know about glory days, if you live in your glory days, that means you stopped probably somewhere in the first quarter of your life. That you have begun, to, you're, you're still living, you're, still, you're in this marathon, but you're dwelling on the first quarter, which means you are literally in a race and you stopped in the middle of the race. If you ever watch this on TV, you'd be like, Run! At least walk. But some of us at some point, we're like, hmm. we just stop. It's called living in your glory days where you had good moments. They were good. Your past, when it says, when it says forget your past, you're like, I don't want to. It was awesome. But some of us are living in such the awesomeness of it that we're not engaging today. And we don't have joy today. We're trying to make today everything that it used to be. It's not the same place we lived. It's not the same church. It's not the same this. It's not the same that. Try finding joy living that way in the glory days. Now, if you drop the L, you go to where you thought I was going to go. Someone goes, oh, yeah, that's, that's robbing my joy. <laughs> and I agree with you. Most of us are not living in the glory days most of us aren't just staying there. Most of us have actually, it's the gory days. It's the stuff that happened that, that you remember. You can even visualize it. Even me bringing it up right now brings stories to your mind about moments that people, pain that caused you pain or you, you caused yourself pain or others pain. And, and these moments where you're like, they were your gory days and, 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 you, you, and you're stuck there. You're stuck in that, that pain, that that thing that happened, that person who said such and such. And what they did, what, what happened, it's legit, it's real, it really hurt, it's not good, it really happened, but many of us think that if, if we don't stop dwelling on it and thinking about it and even passing the story on, that it, that it didn't mean anything. No, no, no. It's called continuing to run your race. Many of us have stopped because we've encountered gory and I think most of us resonate more with this than the glory days, so I thought I'd ask you a question to help you maybe begin to walk out of this. Have you mourned your pain? A lot of people haven't. The reason I ask you this question, have you mourned your pain? Uh, let, me, let me take you to well, the, the book of Job, which go, it's, it oozes pain. The lowly he sets on high, and those who mourn, those who mourn are lifted to safety. We live in a culture right now who doesn't know how to mourn. 
I'm just telling you right now, getting first glimpses of this, I go to funerals, it's a part of my life. We don't know how to mourn, we don't know what to do. By definition, let me show you what mourn means. I'm expressing your grief, because we live in a society that's like, bottle that stuff up. Ignore that, deny that, reject that. And so that's why many of us don't have joy. We've lost it, it's evaporated. Because we had pain that we never mourned. Glory days, gory days. I don't know where you're at, but do you know that Paul kept writing and said, if you don't deal with this, if you don't forget your past and start running your race, if you don't forget your past, he's not talking literally, by the way. He's talking, hey, if you don't move forward from your past to the glory of the glory, well, he, he brought it up. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many who's whose conduct shows they are really enemies. Enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think about, ooh, they think only about this life here on earth. Sounds like the glory and the glory. Life here on earth, dwelling about life here on earth. It's all about here. It's about here. It's about here and not about heaven. It's about here. Their God is their appetite. If you're not willing to admit this, I will. On our behalf, each one of us as individuals and as a collective group, that many of us have to admit and claim that we have lived days, weeks, months, years, and seasons where all we went after was whatever we were craving. Because whatever we were craving was our God. Whatever drives your life, whatever you are all about, that is your God. And we live in a now, a time, where our appetite gets the number one attention. If you've ever found yourself in trouble that you caused or trouble that someone else caused, I guarantee you can trace it back to someone went after a craving. Someone went after what they just craved. It was just their appetite and went after it, went after it, and disregarded the healthy things in life. So here's the two things we're supposed to learn. We're spending too much time focused on our cravings in life and too little time focused on nourishment. Now this is good eating, and I get that. I mean, I don't like it, but I get that. Told you many times, if there's bacon or donuts, you will find me. I will go after that. I can smell it from miles away. Too much time focused on cravings. This could be relationship stuff, things that you just in this moment, you're just like, ah, I'm just going to go after this appetite. And we don't often say, but does this nourish my soul? Does this nourish my relationship with my God, the one true God? Paul kept writing. And you need to see what he wrote. But we are citizens of heaven. You see the focus? We are citizens of heaven, not citizens of earth, citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior, eagerly waiting. Now, don't get caught up in the waiting. You're like, oh, so all we do, wait, we're running a marathon, but we're waiting. I don't understand. It sounds like he, he's, he's mixing some stuff. 
He wasn't saying waiting in the sense of sit in a chair and don't move till they call your name. What I would tell you, their view of waiting wasn't apathy or laziness. Do you, do you know that you can go to a waiting room and you don't have to sit? Shocker, I know. You can go to a waiting room and not get lost in your phone. Did you know that? You know, oftentimes when you're in a waiting room, you know what's also there? People. You're not writing that down. There are people. Waiting is not an apathetic approach to life. We're waiting for heaven. We're waiting for Jesus. So here's a question. What does your waiting look like? Some of you are like, I frankly have not been focused on Jesus or God or whatever you're talking about. I've not, no, and, and that's your first step. Perhaps you want to invite God into your life where you're like, you know, I want you to be a part of my life. If whatever I'm all about is my God, then I want the one true God to be my God. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there first. But if you've already gone there, this letter was written to people who most of them had already gone there. What does your waiting look like? As you wait to go to heaven, as you wait to go be with Jesus, what's your waiting look like? When he looks at you one day and you're hoping to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, while you lived on earth and you waited, is he going to say that to you or is he going to be like, who are you? Our waiting is a big deal. If you want joy, I urge you to do what Paul did. That if your circumstances are draining you and exhausting you and you're like, I don't know if I can take another wave in my life, you just, you nudge closer to Jesus. You spend more time with Jesus. You talk to him more often. You read about him more often. You worship him more often. You lean into him. And you will find yourself, no matter what your circumstances, having joy. I hope you'll go after it this way. I hope you won't be a part of what I read to you at first. Be careful. Be careful not to abandon the Lord. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for, thank you for this truth, this wisdom to, to know where our joy may have gone. Lord, I pray for those right now who, who are literally living each day as though it has no meaning, no purpose, no value, no excitement, and especially no joy. Or for those who, who literally would say their joy is, is gone or, or on empty, Lord, would you help us, help each one of us who are there in that place right now? Lord, for those of us who are chasing our own just personal appetites, would you forgive us? Would you help us to get free from that? Lord, we commit to be a group of people concentrated on what nourishes our souls, our minds, and our bodies. Lord, help us have our joy. We thank you for it. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.